0: Good afternoon, Dr. Dan Guerra at Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the Inland Pacific Northwest. Today is, of course, the seventh of March, and the year is 2022. <clears throat> we were talking about peroxisomes, and I was explaining to you the peroxisomes are a um, subcellular organelle with a great deal of lipid biosynthesis and turnover activity. And we were starting to talk about these very unusual lipids, at least unusual to most people, because they're not um, used to thinking about their structures. And these are known as the plasmalogens. These are going to be ether-linked lipids. So, you know, naturally occurring ether lipids are going to have either an oxygen alkyl or an oxygen alk one enol group, and that enol group is going to obviously have a double bond in it, right? So if you have a o alk one enol moiety with a cis double bond and it's adjacent to the ether linkage you're going to call that a plasmalogen okay the other way of looking at it is calling it a vinyl ether B-I-N-Y-L. now i want to also explain that the alkyl and alkyl one eno groups are located almost exclusively on the one position, the SN1 position of glycerol 3-phosphate, okay? So that's really important. Um, Now, there are lots of different kinds of acyl lipids, of course, we talk about them, glycerol lipids being the most significant. But when we start talking about plasmalogens, you have these alkyl and alkyl-1 enol ether linkages, and they are ma- mainly only have the following fatty acids. 16 colon O, which is palmitate, 18 colon o, steroid, and 18 colon 1, which of course is oleic acid. Now this ties back into our discussions of how that desaturase enzyme, uh, that's the sterol desaturates, desaturase, plays a very significant role in various disease states in humans. Remember, I told you that there were uh, sphingolipids, which had either amide linkages to palmitate, sterate, or oleate. Now I'm increasing your understanding by telling you that these etherlink glycerolipids can also be either bound with palmitate, sterate, or oleate. So obviously, the hinge reaction there for the biosynthesis of these molecular species of plasmalogens is going to rely on that steroid-CoA desaturase. That's a really important consideration. Whenever you think about structures, remember that all these structures are resolved by multiple series of enzymatic reactions. Some of them are actually full pathways, while others are just single or sometimes uh, coordinated, double-linked reactions. But... The important point is that for any of the synthesis of lipids to be made, you have to have a great deal of control over metabolism. And that's not only because you're, you're contributing carbon to the production of these lipids, which can be part of membranes, but also, as you well know, signaling, and then, of course, as bioenergetic fuel, Right. So a great deal of the mastery of coordination and regulation of metabolism has to do with the fine tuning of the production of molecular species of lipids. And we know this <clears throat> because if we make mutants in the any of these pathways and we alter the molecular structure of say membrane lipids, which is again only one function of lipids in the cell, right, membrane lipids, um, you find massive morphological changes, but also biochemical changes that can lead to pathologies. Okay, And some of these are inborn errors of metabolism, but many of them have just been picked up as mutations um, in cell culture. And then looking at what happens to the cells and sometimes also um, uh, purpose of alteration using knockout studies to alter the very uh, reactions by knocking out the genes, which code for the enzymes that carry out all of those subtle alterations in lipid metabolism. And then looking what happens with phenotype. Of course, this is done in the mouse model, right? Now, except for the intermediary metabolites and, you know, and also, of course, by that, I mean some of the metabolites, metabolites that are bioactive. The ether linkages in phosphonylipids, mammalian cells, almost only, I just told you only three fatty acids, but they're usually only with polar head groups of choline or ethanolamine, okay? And you know, the trimethyl ethanolamine is choline. So really we're into that biosynthetic pathway uh, which comes from serine metabolism, right? So that's a very another very important point. So every time you look at a lipid, remember it's a chimeric molecule made from multiple primary and intermediary metabolic pathways, as well as pathways that are linked to um, the degradation of amino acids. And some of the end products or even the intermediates in amino acid degradation will yield functional polar or nonpolar but still head groups from these many different molecular species of lipid. That's why I tell you all the time the lipid metabolism is far more complex than carbohydrate or nucleic acid or protein because there are so many different <laughs> types of molecular species. And remember the cardinal rule in biochemistry and in biology uh, in, in its entirety. If you have a structure, that structure is going to require and obtain a function, okay? So that means that when you find 300 different molecular species of a phospholipid in the membrane, it's not because the cell is just sort of... Um, uncontrollably altering the molecular species of those lipids. And when you isolate them by doing a chloroform methanol extraction, et cetera, what you're really finding is not um, just all these molecular species just so happen to be in the membrane, but they all have a specific function. And I will also tell you following right along with that, that those functions are not all well worked out because remember the membrane itself, just think about the membrane with all of these different phospholipid groups, with all these different phospholipid groups, remember that the membrane itself is one macromolecular structure. Now, normally we don't think of it that way because you think about chromatin and, for example, even DNA or RNA being a macromolecular structure, but the membrane is normally considered to be part of the architecture of the cell, right? But yet it really is a macromolecular structure. So you can consider it in in its entirety as a system whereby the cell is able to communicate, divide, turn over, and ultimately either go through autophagy or apoptosis or finally simple necrosis uh, and no longer divide. All of those functions, as it turns out, are intimately related to the molecular structure of the lipid component. And of course, the lipid component in many ways dictates what the protein component of the membrane is. Because <clears throat> the membrane protein has to have the right hydrophobicity and hydrophilicity to be able to be manufactured within that membrane because of membrane lipid raft transport that engineers the me- membrane particularly think about the plasma membrane but it's the same thing with all the endomembrane systems the er the golgi the peroxisomal membrane the nuclear envelope etc the mitochondrial both of those membranes enter and outer membrane you get the idea there right all right so some neutral lipids such as the alkyl diacylglycerols and these are actually glycerol ether diesters and the alkyl acylglycerol analogs of triacylglycerols and diacylglycerols are also found in cells. So when we talk about triacylglycerol being the major storage form of uh, um, lipid in the adipose, indeed it is the major storage form. And those are acyl lipids, meaning they have ester linkages, right? But we also find these ether linkages. So, and I just explained that to you. So, okay, so what I want to say, remember, this is all we're discussing this because we're talking about peroxisomes, right? And peroxisomes became an uh, important uh, entreaty in our discussion of diabetes. Remember, we we're talking about diseases in which lipid metabolism uh, is directly related, that so called dyslipidemia. So, in contrast to those astrolink linked phospholipids, that I want you to think about, let's think about the biosynthesis of the ether lipids. Now, ester-linked phospholipids, after you get de novo fatty acid synthesis, which starts off with acetyl-CoA, and then the acetylchloric carboxylase, to malonyl-CoA, and that whole biosynthetic pathway, and in mammalian cells, remember that's a homodimer. So you have each monomeric structure of the fatty acid synthase has all the enzymes necessary to produce from acetyl-CoA and malonyl-CoA palmitic acid, but you have a head to tail dimer organization of the mammalian FAS. So the mammalian FAS can carry out the synthesis simultaneously of two molecules of palmitic acid. And then of course, once it's released, from the acyl carrier protein that palmitate is immediately esterified back to a yep thioester and that's coenzyme a so you so the end product ends up being coaster pools either palmitale coa or coA. right remember that now i'm telling you that once you make those acyl coas you start building complex lipids that means Lipids that have more than one component. That's what I mean by complex. So you have the fatty acid and it's linked to something. So if it's linked to a sphingosine base, we would call those sphingolipids. If it's linked to glycerol, that's in glycerol, then we're going to call those glycerol lipids. Well, sphingolipids and glycerol lipids can have phosphate bound covalently and usually as a phosphate ester And both then species, sphingolipid and glycerolipid, can be called phospholipids. You see how we get into more and more of the classification of these compounds? Yet, sphingolipids are a unique subclass of phospholipids, as are the glycerolipids. And you think most commonly, we think about the membrane and the bilayer. You're normally thinking about a glycerolipid, right? Like phosphatidylcholine. Or serine or phosphatidylethanolamine, or phosphatidylinositol, but I'm telling you now that you also have these ether linkages. Now the e, the ester-linked link, complex lipids, once acylcholines are made, basically in the cytoplasm, the met, the um, organelle that's used to make the complex glycerol lipids or the ester-linked phospholipids is going to be the endoplasmic reticulum. Okay. And so what about the ether-linked phospholipids? Ether-linked phospholipids, including those that are known as plasmalogens, well, those complex lipids formations are occurring in the peroxisome. okay? So plasmalogen synthesis begins with dihydroxyacetone phosphate, which of course comes directly from glycolysis, right? So you have glyceraldehyde 3-phosphate and dihydroxyacetone phosphate, and those two uh, um, uh, tricarbon sugar alcohols. Well, one's actually an alcohol, one's an aldehyde, right? The dihydroxyacetone is an aldehyde. So you have DAP and you have GAP. Those are coming from what? In glycolysis, fructose 1,6-bisphosphate. After the aldolase reaction, right? So that's where you're going to be getting dihydroxyacetone phosphate. So let me continue. So you have DAP or dihydroxyacetone phosphate, and it becomes acylated by a peroxisomal acyl transferase. And so the first product of that biosynthetic pathway is one acyl dihydroxyacetone phosphate. And that becomes the substrate for alkyl. DAP synthase, which will replace the long chain fatty acid, replace it. That's correct with a long chain alcohol. So it's not going to be a going to be a carboxylic to an al, a carboxylic group to an alcohol because of reduction. You're actually going to do a replacement. Okay. So that's really an important key too. <laughs> so the one alkyl dihydroxyacetone phosphate will then be reduced to the one alkyl, one glycerol three phosphate. Okay. So you have done a reduction, but to the backbone, going from the dihydroxyacetone, which has basically got a keto function to the alcohol. Okay. So it's a really important feature this. You see how we're moving from the backbone part of the molecule to the fatty acid back and forth. And I'm talking about both of those parts of that Molecular species of lipid are being reacted with multiple different enzyme systems. Okay. So, once again, you see the complexity of lipids as opposed to cyclic carbohydrates, right? So, <laughs> now you've got one alkyl, glycerol 3 phosphate, and that reductase that synthesizes that intermediate is carried out by NADPH being used as the reductant. Okay. There's another. Um, reductive biosynthetic utilization of NADPH, which can be made from malic enzyme or can, of course, be synthesized via the phosphate uh, via those two ED at the beginning of the pathway. Now, the enzymes that catalyze those, all three of those reactions are all found in the peroxisome. And this was detected first by using differential and equilibrium density centrifugation. And what cells were being used? Well, what organs, you might ask. I told you hepatocytes are rich in etherlink lipids. I also told you that the central nervous system. So this centrifugation process to isolate these lipids and these enzymes that synthesize these lipids uh, came from the liver or the central nervous system. Okay. So in other words, cells derived from the liver or the brain. So at least the first, and, and those were peroxisomal preps. So, at least the first two of these enzymes are actually membrane bound proteins, and their active sites face the luminal face of the peroxidome. Told you the peroxidome, like any organelle, is going to have an interior lumen. But I also said that many of the enzymes are associated with the membrane. Here you go you've got these enzymes synthesizing these ether linked lipids that are bound in the membrane, but the the catalysis is occurring in the lumen, right? Or associated with the lumen inner leaflet of the peroxisomal membrane interface, okay? That's what, where it's occurring specifically. This is all important because if you wonder why a peroxisome is a certain kind of membrane as opposed to a mitochondrion or ER, now you're starting to see it. What again am I saying? What's the litany? What's the scripture? Structure begets function, Right. So, the peroxisome has these unique reactions, and the enzymes that are carrying out these catalytic events are indeed embedded in unique physical chemical structures that allow for the biosynthesis of these ethyl lipids. When I say allow, you need that platform for those proteins to embed in that membrane and that lumen of that peroxisome to carry out these reactions. Okay. So, What you get, of course, is NADP, which is oxidized, and so you have to regenerate the NADP, and that can be done by peroxisomal isoenzyme of isocitrate dehydrogenase. So typically, when you think about isocitrate dehydrogenase, you have the cytosolic one, which we talked about uh, way back when we were talking about aging. Uh, but more more commonly, the isocytoid dehydrogenase is what? It's part of the tricarboxylic acid cycle. And where's that? In the mitochondrial mitosol. Here I'm telling you there's an isocytoid dehydrogenase isoform that, yeah, it's in the peroxisomal lumen. And what it uses is not NAD, NADH. It uses NADP, NADPH. You see? That's the, again, the, the unique nature of having a division of labor as generated by having subcellular compartments carrying out a multiplex of biosynthetic or biodegradative pathways that lead to the ultimate products that the cell is utilizing. Remember, all of these are event ontologies. Everything that's occurring is an event. So there's a constant synthesis utilization turnover of all the molecules you find inside the cell. And so you have to do a time sequence analysis to watch the beginning, the intermediate, and the end of the biosynthesis of an ether etherlink lipid. Then you have to see what that ether etherlink lipid ends up, what membrane, because typically they're in membranes. Then you have to think about the turnover, okay? All of that's gonna be linked to controlling mechanisms such that you maintain the correct homeo equivalence of all these molecular species in all of those membranous compartments throughout the cycle of the cell, throughout the life cycle of the cell. So you get the idea about how much control is necessary to do this, right? If if the cell is committing so much control over biosynthesis of these lipids with multiple Organellar structures, sub, you know, and suborganeller structures like the inner leaflet, right, of the membrane of the peroxisome. And then the lumen carrying out something like the dehydro- iso- dehydrogenase, that particular isoform of that enzyme, and then having to traffic that enzyme into the peroxisome. And remember the peroxisomes turn over via peroxisomophagy and that they reproduce via, f- via fission when more peroxisomes are needed. So some cells can have multiple flocculated peroxisomes, multiple individual peroxisomes collecting together. And again, that kind of, of course, non-covalent hydrophobic structure that they call microbodies, right? And that's how they were first isolated via light microscopy and then, uh, of course, centrifugation, right? So you get that idea now. All right. Now, all the subsequent reactions in ether, lip- ether lipid biosynthesis are the same as the corresponding ones that you see in ester lipid assembly. So, the enzymes catalyzing those reactions are going to be back in the ER. Yeah. And they have not, and here, very importantly, they have not been found in the peroxisome. So, the peroxisome basically builds that alkyl or alkenolipid, that particular structure, that ether bond, that ether group. But once that's done, that lipid has to migrate back out of the peroxisome and end up in the endoplasmic reticulum to finish the biosynthesis of the ether-linked molecular species of phospholipid, okay? So once again, compartmentalization, more control, more complex. So that's something to keep in mind. So the alkyl glycerol-3-phosphate intermediate, which is still relatively water-soluble, must travel from the peroxisome to the ER where that final synthesis of plasmalogens uh, occurs. Okay, so that's really an important feature. So watch you remember that. Now, the long-chain alcohol required in that second peroxisomal plasmalogen synthesizing reaction is actually formed by the reduction of, yeah, a long-chain acyl-CoA but that requires two molecules of NADPH. And it's suggested on the basis of differential centrifugation that the acyl-CoA reductase catalyzing that reaction could also be in the peroxisome, which kind of makes sense because all the biosynthesis of of that entire system making that alcohol, for example, would be part of that um, catalytic uh, organization all of that is probably happening in the peroxisome. Okay. So, if you look at sebaceous glands, such as the mouse preputial gland, it, which produces, of course, waxes and ether lipids, just like same in, in humans in the, in the sebaceous glands, it may not be coincidental actually that those same cells contain peroxisomal reticulum. So, we talk about endoplasmic reticulum. We now are starting to talk because of that clustering into microbodies, a new concept of paroxysomal networking. I like to use the word net because consider it like a webbed net of peroxisomes grouped together into a, a cluster, right? And what we call that now is a peroxisomal reticulum, right? Like the ER, now you have the, yeah, PR. So, for example, platelet activating factor, which is a very important ether lipid, also known as um, path acet ether, because it has an acetate in the two position of, of that backbone of glycerol, is an acetate, right? It has an ether linkage in the one position, it has an acetate in the two position, and then it has yeah, phosphatidylcholine in the third position of that uh, of that third carbon, I should say on the glycerol backbone. That's what path acid, or platelet-activating factor structure looks like. And don't worry, I will do a video lecture where I'll show you these structures. So that's one very important pathway that you find in peroxisomes. Now, what about cholesterol biosynthesis? Okay, yeah, we're, in, we're not anywhere near finished here. Hydroxymethylglutyl-CoA, that's HMG-CoA, Reductase is the rate-limiting enzyme, as I'm sure I've pounded home to you guys for so many lectures for so many years, Um, the rate-limiting enzyme for cholesterol de novo biosynthesis. And that enzyme is actually, no, not in the peroxisome; it's in the ER. But the enzyme activity may be induced in peroxisomes, yeah, how is this? By a cholesterol amine treatment with rats and after you do self fractionation and immunoelectron microscopy, you find that enzyme in the peroxisome. So in contrast to the ER enzyme, which is of course a glycosylated transmembrane protein, the peroxisomal enzyme is a soluble protein found in that lumen of the peroxisome. Now, what about that, right? So the peroxisomal and ER isoenzymes differ also in <laughs> diurnal fluctuation. So it's been shown that the rat liver peroxisomes together with high speed supernatant cytosol fraction are capable of converting mevalonic acid to cholesterol. So this is all, and, that, and that would inqu- require the GCO reductase. So you see, and that diurnal fluctuation I'm not going to get into right now, but there is a diurnal fluctuation Uh, between those two different locations. So the peroxisome does indeed synthesize cholesterol. Now, why does peroxisome have a unique um, subcellular domain for that activity? At least to make uh, the initial reactions, at least to make mevalonic acid. Maybe the rest of the cholesterol biosynthesis is back at the ER, just like with the ether lipids. It's very likely it's to relay the composite requirement for membrane lipid rafts to be generated, and the key communication system is from the plasma membrane to the peroxisome, because the peroxisome's business is also to take plasma membrane, remember, hydroperoxy fatty acids of the very long chain polyunsaturated phenotypes, molecular species therein, of either omega-6 or omega-3, those positional isomers of double bonds. And that is necessary to pull out of the plasma membrane, basically remove those fatty acids, break them back down to lower carbon number of fatty acids, retaining the same double bonds as the omega-6 and omega-3, and then building them back up by adding acetate, or actually it's ultimately malinate, but the CO2 is released. So once again, you see subcellular organelle communication necessary for just another component of these very complex lipids, the plasmalogens on one hand and cholesterol on the other. And we're still not that because bile acid biosynthesis also was found, because bile acids are going to be products of cholesterol degradation associated with, the mammalian paroxysome. So I'm going to leave you with that right now because it's really important to um, get into bile acid. Bile acids. Remember, bile acid, what, what was considered to be the major carcinogen, right? In those cholangial carcinomas. And that's how we got here. We're talking about cancer. Cancer related to what? Diabetes. Diabetes related to what? Let me hear you, obesity. All right. See, we're all going, we're going to be back in pathophysiology and pathobiochemistry soon enough. I'm just giving you the super um, in depth understanding of lipid biosynthesis right now. And for that, I wanted to spend several lectures. I can always find a way to uh, bring lipid uh, uh, biosynthesis into my lectures. You see, I smuggle it all the time because. It's not taught by hardly anyone else at any degree of uh, clarity that I'm able to do because there aren't very many lipid biochemists around that are teaching anymore. And it's my duty to do that. (laughs) At least I've taken it upon myself. Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry Studio saying bye for now.